0: that should end all discussion about the necessity of baptism. In 1 Peter 3, verse number 21, Peter said, Baptism now saves you. The apostle Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, spoke those words. And yet, these words, when you listen to a lot of people and read a lot of different books and things like that, these words are largely ignored. Sometimes they are disputed, and sometimes people even mock them. Yet this would not be the only time that Peter would talk about baptism and how baptism saves. If you have your Bible, open it up, please, to Acts chapter 10. I want you to notice in Acts chapter 10, when Peter and a number of other Jews were at the house of Cornelius, the Gentile, along with his family, in Acts chapter 10, Peter would teach to Cornelius and his family the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 10, in verse number 47, Peter would go on to say, surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. Peter would order them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that they could be saved. Peter would also speak about baptism in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter had thousands of people listening to him. When the subject of salvation came up, when Peter would begin to preach about salvation, when the crowd asked Peter and the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Asking them what they needed to do to become right with the Lord. In Acts chapter 2, verse number 38, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have three passages from the same apostles spoken at different times, to different people, all saying the same thing baptism now saves you. But there's a lot of people who disagree with this. In fact, last year I saw something on Facebook, a post, someone uh, responding to another person who wrote about baptism in a blog, and they said this concerning baptism. I'm on, I want to share this with you this morning. They said, in the case of baptism and salvation, The Bible is clear that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not by works of any kind, including baptism. So any interpretation which comes to the conclusion that baptism or any other act is necessary for salvation is a faulty interpretation. What do you think about that? See some problems with that? That's the view, however, that a lot of people take when it comes to baptism. So the question becomes, who was right? An inspired apostle <laughs> who wrote part of the New Testament, or what many po- people believe with respect to salvation in the 21st century? I want you to imagine something for a moment. Imagine if the Apostle Peter had or was a part of a religious discussion here in Louisville, Texas. Maybe he was sitting in on a Bible study at Starbucks or some other cafe. Maybe he was at your house or someone else's house. And some individuals began a religious discussion, and the topic came up concerning baptism, concerning salvation. What do you think Peter would hear during that discussion? I think Peter would hear a variety of views with respect to baptism and salvation. I think he might hear something like this if he was here today in Louisville, Texas, talking to people. He may hear somebody say, well, I believe in Jesus, and I was saved at the moment when I believed. I was saved by his grace that very moment when I believed he was the Son of God. I've never been baptized because baptism doesn't save. You think Peter would hear something like that? I believe that he would hear someone say something like that. What about this? I believe in Jesus. I was baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of sins so I could be saved by his grace. You You think Peter would hear something like that? I think he would hear something like that as well. What about this? I believe in Jesus. I was saved prior to baptism, but I was later baptized to show my relationship with Jesus. You think he would hear something like that? I'm pretty sure that the Apostle Peter would hear something like that. So after hearing all of these different views and thoughts concerning baptism, what do you think Peter would say? Would Peter just agree and say, well, it doesn't really matter what we believe What a person believes about baptism? What do you think Peter would say hearing all of these different answers? Would he say, well, all of you have done God's will and all of you are saved? What about us? Peter's not here, but we are. So when you're having that conversation, maybe even at dinner or at work or over social media, and the topic of salvation comes up, And the topic of baptism comes up and its role with respect to salvation. What are we going to say? And what do we actually believe concerning baptism? This morning for a few minutes, I want to talk about the subject, Baptism Now Saves You. I want to talk about that for a few minutes for a variety of reasons. There are a number of reasons why we need to talk about this subject concerning baptism. I think sometimes when we hear sermons about baptism, sometimes if not careful, we can have this mindset, "Ah, we already know everything about this. Why do I need to hear another lesson about baptism? I've already been baptized, so what's the point of me hearing something like this? Well, I think there's a lot of good reasons why we need to go back to the fundamentals, why we need to talk about something as important as baptism. One of the reasons I want to share with you is that when you open up your Bible, there were, actual, there were actually a lot of different conversations that people had in the first century concerning salvation and baptism. Look over in Acts chapter 18 real quickly here. In Acts chapter 18, verses 25 and 26, Acts chapter 18, verses 25 and 26, I mentioned this in Bible class with Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila, they heard this powerful speaker. His name was Apollos. And Apollos was fervent in the spirit. He was zealous. He knew the word of God. But he only knew some things concerning Jesus and baptism, concerning the baptism of John. And so in Acts chapter 18, verses 25 and 26, the Bible says, This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Here's a discussion that took place concerning baptism. There was a misunderstanding that Apollos had. And so Priscilla and Aquila, two Christians, they took it upon themselves to correct this this man named Apollos. And he will learn the way of truth more accurately. And so one reason why we should talk about this is because hopefully... Hopefully, we're having some conversations about baptism. Priscilla and Aquila were not shy to, to not talk about this. They heard something that was inaccurate, and they wanted to help that individual out. Another example is found in Acts chapter 19. Remember Paul, when he was going into Ephesus, he came across some disciples, and he asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And he, they said, we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. And he asked them, what, did, what then did you believe? And they only were familiar with the baptism of John. So there was some misunderstanding, again, about baptism or which baptism they needed. And so another discussion took place. So that's one reason why I think it's important for us to talk about this. Another reason, though, is that there are people in the world who are still willing to listen. Do you believe that? There are people in the world that, if given an opportunity, will have a discussion with us about salvation, about baptism, about baptism. Uh, this may bring back some some difficult feelings for Nikki, but about a year ago, Nikki came back from Atlanta, Georgia, and we stopped off at Bucky's, our favorite place. I don't know why we always have to stop off at Bucky's, but we always do, right? It's a gas station, but we love it. So anyway, somehow she went into the gas station with her phone, but did not come back out with her phone. The phone was gone. And so long story short, we actually, we made a police report. And so the police officer came out. I think his name was Timothy, if I remember correctly. And we were talking and and giving him information about the phone. Bucky's is actually a good place to lose something because they have over like 200 cameras there, okay? So we still never got the phone back. But anyway, at the end of that conversation, he gave me his card. And he said, well, you know, if, if you need anything or follow up with anything, let me know. Just reach out to me. So if somebody gives you their card, you know what you have to do, right? It, it, exactly. You you have to give them one of these cards, okay? So you have to invite him to service. So we're in the we're in the parking lot, and I gave Timothy my card, and at the time was at Dowland Road. and I said, "Love for you to come out and visit us." So he said, "Listen, this has nothing to do with the phone, but can I share something with you?" Sure so he shared his his story his life about how he had been studying the scriptures and drawing closer to God and that Sunday he was going to be baptized and i said i can't believe this my sermon this Sunday is going to be about baptism And so we started talking about baptism. So we're in the parking lot. I feel bad for Nikki. She's crying in the car. And he says, well, can I do something real quick? And I said, yeah. So he goes to his patrol car, uh, police car, and he pulls out his Bible. So we're in the middle of Bucky's. And he put his Bible on the hood of his car. And now we're studying. So I said, man, you got a gun and a sword. This is amazing. And Poor Nikki. She's still in the car crying. So I got to talk to him about this. You cannot miss this opportunity. So we ended up talking. He had been visiting the Lakeland Church, if I remember correctly, where Joe Osteen preaches. And Joe Osteen is not going to teach the truth concerning salvation. You can watch one of his lessons and you will find that out. Okay? And so I had to share with him what the Bible said about baptism. So anyway... I'm saying this because he didn't necessarily listen to me, but I tried to teach him the truth concerning baptism. I'm saying all of this because people are willing to at least study. People are willing to at least talk about this. There are sincere hearts out there. And I hope and pray maybe the things that I was able to share with him one day may may convict him a little bit more. And he'll realize what baptism is for and the purpose behind it. So there are people out there in the world that if we give them an opportunity, they'll listen to us. So this is why we need to talk about this. Let me give you another reason why this is so important. Brothers and sisters, we need to guard our faith like never before. Uh, I know a, a, a man who used to be a gospel preacher. He's no longer a gospel preacher. He's no longer a Christian. He's fallen away from the faith. He no longer believes baptism is necessary for the forgiveness of sins. And so I'm not just talking about random people in the world. We could probably identify or list some people that we know that have once been taught the truth and no longer are following the truth. This is why we need to talk about this. And finally, we need to talk about this because we need to be confident with what we have believed what the Bible says about this. So when opportunities make themselves available, we will have the faith, the confidence, the courage to talk to individuals about what the Bible says concerning baptism. Do you agree with that? That's why this study is important. And so I wanted to share with you, I want you to think about here, think about for a few minutes, if Peter was here, if the apostle Peter was here, what would he want us to know about baptism? Well, I think Peter would want us to know this, number one, Peter would want us to know this when it comes to baptism and salvation, that number one, we are saved by grace through faith. Look over in Acts 15, and I want you to notice verse number 11. I say that, we are saved by grace through faith, because that's what Peter said in Acts chapter 15 and verse number 11. In Acts 15 and verse number 11, Peter said, and this was in Jerusalem, there was a big discussion, and interesting, it was this, the discussion was about salvation. The Jews thought, or some of the Jews believed, that the Gentiles needed to be circumcised, otherwise they would not be saved. And so as we're talking about these events in Acts 15 and verse number 11, Peter said, But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. And so what Peter is showing us here, what Peter wanted them to see is that the Gentiles, like Cornelius, they were saved by God's grace the same way that the Jews had been saved by the grace of God earlier. This is what he's going to remind the audience, that he had preached to Cornelius. He had preached to these Gentiles. In Acts 15 and verse number 7, the Bible says, after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. That's exactly what Peter did. You Go back to Acts chapter 10. Look back in Acts chapter 10. When Peter went to the house of Cornelius, he would preach the word of God to them. He would preach the gospel, the facts about Jesus and who he was. Look at Acts chapter 10 and verse number 34. Peter said this, talking to Cornelius and his household, opening his mouth, Peter said, I must certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he's Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he would become, that he become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. He's telling them about the good news, about the life of Jesus, about the good deeds that he did, the miracles he performed, the fact that he died, rose again from the grave. Verse number 42, and he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Peter wanted them to know you got to believe in Jesus. If you want to be saved, you must believe that he is the son of God. Believing in him is how one is going to be able to receive forgiveness of sins. But that's not all. As he would continue on in Acts chapter 10, he would also remind them in verse number 48, not remind, but actually instruct and order them in verse number 48 to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because this is how they were going to access the amazing grace of God. This is how they were going to receive God's amazing grace. Baptism is also necessary to receive forgiveness of sins. That's what Peter said in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. So Peter, whether he was preaching to the Gentiles, he talked about the grace of God. And while the the word grace is is not found in Acts chapter 10, he's certainly preaching about grace, the grace of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, because he proclaimed to them the good news of Jesus Christ. When you go back to Acts chapter 2, Peter would do the same thing as he spoke to the Jews. He made no distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles. He's going to preach the same message. He's going to make sure that they understand that they're saved by grace through faith. And while we don't find the word grace in Acts chapter 2, that's my understanding, we certainly see the grace of God. Because Peter is going to preach about the good news of Jesus Christ. He wanted them to understand who Jesus is, that he is the son of the living God. That he died, that they killed him, that he was buried, that he rose again on the first day of the week. That they were lost in their sins. And he convicted them by the words of the Holy Spirit. And what we find, they responded in verse 37 by saying, brethren, what shall we do? Now look at verse 38. Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter taught the same message. Whether it's to the Jews or whether it's to the Gentiles, he preached the same message. If Peter was here today, he would say, yes, we are saved by grace through faith. And we receive this saving grace when we believe. That's what he instructed Cornelius and his household to do. When we repent of our sins, that's what he told the Jews in Acts chapter 2. And when we are baptized for the forgiveness of sins. You see, if Peter was here, he would say, indeed, baptism now saves you. That we are saved by God's amazing grace. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. when we are baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. That wouldn't be the only thing that he would teach, though. As Peter, if he was here, if he was talking about baptism and salvation, Peter would make this very clear. That when it comes to baptism, we are baptized to be saved. Does that make sense? That we're baptized to be saved. You see, again, in Acts chapter 2, This is what Peter's going to talk about. The theme here in Acts chapter 2, and verse 21, is that of salvation. Look at verse 21. It shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what Peter's going to do, he's going to demonstrate to them how they call upon the name of the Lord. First, he's got to make sure they understand that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. He concludes his thoughts with that in verse number 36. And he demonstrates to them or shows them how to call upon the name of the Lord. I want you to make sure you understand this, my friends, that there's no sinner's prayer found in Acts chapter 2. The way that these individuals called upon the name of the Lord, they certainly had faith in Jesus. They believe. They're asking the question, what shall we do? He is both Lord and Christ. And when you go back to verse number 38, Peter said, repent. Repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, by the authority of Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive, receive, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is Peter showing us here? Well, he's helping us to see that baptism is, is in order to be saved. And I'm making this distinction here. I'm, I'm trying to, to demonstrate something here because there's so much confusion when it comes to baptism. Baptism was for and is for the forgiveness of sins. That's what Peter is making abundantly clear here in Acts chapter two and verse number 38. That's why he would order Cornelius and his family in Acts 10 and verse number 48, to be baptized. Why? For the forgiveness of their sins, in order to be saved. You see, in Acts chapter two, the individuals on the day of Pentecost, they were not already saved. Cornelius and his family, they were not already saved. They needed to hear words by which they could be saved. And Peter would teach them what they needed to hear. And yet there's so much confusion today. So many times today, and I've had conversations like this, and I'm sure you have too. And maybe there's someone who's thinking like this right now in the audience. So many individuals today, while they may be sincere, they believe, well, I'm saved at the point of belief. And then I'll be baptized maybe a month or two later for what reason? Well, to demonstrate that I've already been saved from my sins. That's what a lot of people believe. In fact, I had a Bible study about a month ago with someone who said that. The first study we had, he said, I need to be baptized. I said, this is great. Let's talk about baptism. But his mindset was, I'm already saved. Well, wait a second. Were those in Acts chapter 2 already saved? Before they were baptized? Well, we know the answer. Hopefully we know the answer. The answer to that is no. And yet a lot of people do not see this. Look at verse number 40 in Acts 2. With many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. See, while Peter had preached to them the gospel message, and while they asked the question, What shall we do? And even though Peter told them, You must repent and be baptized, if they did not act upon those words, they still would be lost. They were not saved at that point. That's why he told them, save yourselves, take action, do what I am instructing you to do. And on that day, about 3,000 souls were, were, were saved, and were baptized. And so what we find in the word of God is that baptism is for the purpose of salvation. It's not to demonstrate that we've already been saved, but it's to be saved. So if Peter was here, He would say the same thing to us in this audience. He would say the same thing to anyone, anywhere, that baptism is necessary. Baptism now saves you. That's what he said in 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. Baptism is how we're going to access this grace of God so that we can be delivered from our sins. Baptism is for the forgiveness of sins. In fact, when you go back to the book of 1 Peter I like to describe this book of 1 Peter as a really a book of grace. He talks about the grace of God so much in 1 Peter. He would remind these saints in 1 Peter chapter 5 that they were standing in the grace of God. In 1 Peter 5 and verse number 12. He said, through Silvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. These individuals had received God's amazing grace. Now Peter was telling them, you stand, you remain, you stand fast in the grace of God. Well, how did they receive God's amazing grace? Well, Peter reminded them of what they did and what they believed. In 1 Peter chapter 1 he would remind them about the blood of Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse number 18, Peter said this, he said, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. They had been redeemed by God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's through baptism that we reach the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that cleanses us, that washes away our sins. That's why baptism is necessary. It's how we're going to reach the blood of Jesus Christ by faith. He would remind them that they had been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. In verse number 22, he said, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart, For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. These individuals have been born again. They had heard the message of Jesus Christ. They believed that message. And they had reached the blood of Jesus Christ. They had reached the grace of God. How? When they were baptized into Christ. And he would remind them in 1 Peter 3 and verse number 21, Baptism now saves us. Brothers and sisters, friends, If Peter was here, I think Peter would be saying the same thing. No, I I don't think, I know Peter would be saying the same thing. Because these words are recorded for us by the Holy Spirit. I think something else, too. I think Peter, in all honesty, would be shocked. I think he would be shocked to see that so many reject and mock his inspired words. That over and over again, he's making this point abundantly clear that baptism is necessary when it comes to salvation. He might say something like this. Well, wait a second. I preached a sermon on salvation in Acts chapter 2, where I told people, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins. I commanded Cornelius and his house to be baptized in Acts chapter 10. And I've explicitly stated that baptism now saves you in 1 Peter 3 and verse number 21. So why are so many confused? Peter may say, may, have said, may have said something like that if he was here with us. But that does beg a question, why is it that so many people are confused? I genuinely believe that sometimes people just have a misunderstanding. I think about Apollos. This man was fervent in spirit, zealous for the Lord. He knew some of the scriptures, and yet he only knew about the baptism of John. And yet, sadly, there are many who are deceived, and maybe sometimes it's because the idea that, wait a second, I, I haven't done what God wanted me to do. I've been, thinking, I've been thinking this whole time that I've been right with the Lord. And so now recognizing that baptism is necessary, what does this mean about me? I think that's where a lot of people would fall into or fall into that category. When you look at in Acts chapter 22 and verse number 16, I want to share this with you. I had a Bible study with someone a couple of years ago at Dallin Road. And what I like to do sometimes when I'm studying with someone, I, I want to get their conversion story. I want to know, hey, and I'll ask them a question. I think it's a great question to ask. Have you been saved? They can say yes or they can say no. <laughs> okay? If they say yes, fantastic. Share with me what you did. How are you saved? And so this gentleman I was studying with, he, he wrote down what he did. And on the sheet of paper that he wrote, and I said, take your time. You know, we'll look at this later. One of the questions was, were you saved before baptism or as a result of baptism? And he said that he was saved prior to his baptism. So I I can kind of see where this individual already is. So in the process of time, we went to Acts chapter 22 and verse number 16, where Paul is rehearsing his story. And the Bible says, now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So on that sheet of paper, it asked him, were you saved before or after your baptism? Before or as a result of your baptism? And he said that he was saved before his baptism. And so I said, well, sir, can you read Acts 22 and verse 16? Now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So I asked him a question. Was Paul saved before he was baptized? Or as a result of him being baptized. Feel how awkward this is? That's how it was in that room for about a minute. Because I sat there. And he sat there. And he started to get upset. Because what did he understand about Acts 22 and verse 16? When does salvation occur? Does it occur before one is baptized? Sir, we read the verse again. Ananias told Paul, Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins. When were his sins washed away? He did admit when he was baptized. Paul's sins were washed away when he was baptized. But this gentleman would not be baptized to wash away his sins. Never saw him again. But Paul is clear. Peter is clear. Baptism is in order to be saved. Can you say amen to that? That's what the Bible teaches. And yet so many people believe something totally different. Now, let me be clear about some things, and hopefully I am. Uh, Baptism is how we access the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us of our sins. We saw that in 1 Peter chapter 1. We read about that in Ephesians 1 and verse number 7. We've been redeemed by his blood. It's through baptism that we access God's amazing grace. By grace we are saved, according to Ephesians 2 8, 9, and 10. The way that we Access or receive God's grace is when we submit to his will. And what Peter preached to the Jews in Acts chapter two, to Cornelius in Acts chapter ten, to the saints that were scattered in First Peter three and verse number twenty-one. What Peter and the other apostles preached is that baptism now saves you. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. That's what Peter would say. If he was here, baptism is not about the removal of physical dirt. It's about the removal of sins that God does for us. That takes us to our third thought. If Peter was here talking about salvation and baptism, I believe he would make it abundantly clear that God does the work in baptism. So many people throw this out and say, well, you're just trying to work yourself to heaven. If you talk and preach about baptism or believe that baptism is necessary. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches at all. In fact, if Peter was here, he would emphasize that God does the work in baptism, not us. It's God who's doing the work. Again, I want you to notice something here in Acts chapter 2 to make sure there's no confusion. In Acts 2 and verse number 40, I mentioned this verse earlier, where Peter, when he was preaching with many other words Peter, or he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Now, let me be very clear. Peter was not telling them to go earn their salvation, okay? He was not teaching them that at all. He was telling them to receive their free gift of God. If they wanted to be saved, they needed to move. They asked him the question, What do we need to do? How can I become right with the Lord? And Peter told them in verse number 38. With many other words he exhorted and encouraged them and then he said be saved from this perverse generation. He told them exactly what they needed to do. Now they needed to take action upon the instructions that Peter had given them. And so he's already told us that we are saved by grace through faith. And so if Peter was here he would tell us that that God does the work in baptism. In Colossians chapter 2 while this is not Peter speaking, peter would certainly agree with the words of the apostle paul in act colossians chapter 2 and verse number 11 and 12 listen to what paul said here paul said and in him talking about jesus you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of christ having been buried with him in baptism and i haven't said anything about that but let me be clear baptism what we find in the Word of God is a burial. It's not a sprinkling. I know many believe that, that a baptism is a sprinkling. That's never found in the New Testament Scriptures, okay? And individuals had to believe before they were baptized. And so baptism is a burial in water. So if one has been sprinkled, they have not been baptized. They need to be baptized the proper way for the proper reasons with the proper understanding. So Peter or Paul would say, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God. You see that? God is at work when one is baptized, when we submit to his will, who raised him from the dead. Peter or Paul is making it very clear that God is the one who's doing the work in baptism. If Peter was here, Paul was here, whoever, any of the apostles, they would all be teaching the same thing. That when one is baptized in the Christ, we're not trying to earn our salvation. We're not trying to work our way to heaven. Of course, we're going to be saved by the grace of God. And we are submitting to what God wants us to do. You see, Peter taught on Pentecost that those who submit to God's will would be saved. What's interesting, when you go back to Acts chapter 2, we go back to Acts chapter two. Peter's going to remind the saints about all the work that God has already done, that Jesus has done, that the Holy Spirit has done. In Acts chapter two, Paul or Peter reminded the saints in Acts Chapter two. About the uh, predetermined plan in verse 23, Peter said, This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and for knowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. God had planned a means of salvation before the foundation of the world for man. God was already at work. God has already done the necessary work. It was Jesus in Acts 2 and verse 23. We see that was sacrificed to save mankind from our sins. Jesus has already done the heavy lifting the work for us. And it was the Holy Spirit who spoke about the promise of this salvation, who call upon the name of the Lord, as Peter quoted in Acts 2 and verse number 21. The Spirit has done work as well, but God's work is not yet done. Because when those 3,000 uh, 3, souls were baptized, God worked on their souls. He cleansed them all of all their sins. And when one is baptized into Jesus Christ, God continues to work. God is still working when people do what he commands. So it is clear from the scriptures and hopefully clear to all of us that God is the one at work when one is born again. Our responsibility is to obey and to listen to what God wants us to do in his word. If Peter was here, Peter would make it very clear that baptism now saves you, that we're saved by God's grace through faith, that we're baptized to be saved, and that it's God who is doing the work when one submits to his will. I want to conclude, and I want you to think about three words. These three words are are these. Forgiveness of sins forgiveness of sins. I want you to think about this. Let me tell you why. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 28, Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 28, Jesus, when he was instituting the Lord's Supper, he said, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Jesus would pour out his blood. He would die on the cross so that individuals would have or could have the opportunity to have forgiveness of sins. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Yes or no? All right. If you believe that phrase, forgiveness of sins, there, I want you to look at Acts chapter 10 and verse number 43. In Acts chapter 10 and verse number 43, remember, we already looked at this. Cornelius was or Peter was talking to the household of Cornelius. In Acts chapter 10 and verse number 43, Peter said of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Do you believe that to be true? If you believe in him, you will have have forgiveness of sins. I think most people would say, yes, absolutely. You believe in Jesus Christ, you will obtain forgiveness of sins. Now I want you to think about Acts chapter 2. Think about Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. Peter said to them, repent. Do you believe you have to repent in order to be saved? I hope you all say yes. I hope you're at least saying that in your mind. <laughs> you have to believe in Jesus, that you have to repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that to be true? So many people will say, oh, I believe Matthew twenty six twenty eight. That's true. He poured out his blood for forgiveness of sins. I believe Acts 10, verse 43. If you believe, you will have forgiveness of sins. That's true. I don't know about Acts 2, 38. Baptism for the forgiveness of sins? It's the same language. Why wouldn't you believe that? Peter said, baptism now saves you. So the question is, are we going to believe all of the words that we find in the New Testament Scriptures? Will we believe all of the words that Peter preached, that the apostles preached, that Jesus preached? Baptism now saves you. Is there one here today who will believe and be baptized for their forgiveness of their sins? We hope and pray that that person is you, that if you need to be saved from your sins, that you'll do that today. If you need a Bible study, you let us know. We'll love to study the word of God with you. If you have already done this, if you are already in Christ, rejoice and be thankful that you have obeyed the truth. Hold on to that truth and be sure that you share it with others. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing.